Due to the graphic nature of this murder case, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes dramatizations and discussions of murder and assault. We advise extreme caution for children under 13. In January 1981, 28-year-old Sharon Jordan and her husband Robert were vacationing on Palmyra Atoll. The tiny island floated in the Pacific Ocean, about a thousand miles south of Hawaii. Palmyra was home to plenty of tropical birds and lush vegetation, but Sharon and Robert were the only humans in sight. Everything on the island was a challenge, especially getting food. On January 4th, Sharon and Robert pushed their fishing boat into a lagoon, hoping to catch something for dinner. They cruised the shallow water, staring down at coral reefs, manta rays, and black-tipped sharks. Nothing suitable for a meal. Then, Sharon spotted something buried in the sea floor. There was a yellow boat, sunken about 20 feet below. Fascinated, they returned the next day, ready to explore. The couple dove down, spent over an hour dislodging the vessel, and dragged it to land. The boat had a prominent U.S. Air Force logo painted on the side. Sharon knew it must have come from the abandoned military base on the island. But it only had a few barnacles on it. If it had been in the lagoon since World War II, it would have been in much worse condition. Looking closer, the couple noticed four compartments on the boat's deck. Two of them held large aluminum containers. The other two were empty as if the remaining canisters had been stolen. Sharon and Robert stared at the boat, perplexed. They had no idea. They just stumbled on a clue, one that would reignite a cold case and help solve a murder. Welcome to Solved Murders, True Crime Mysteries, a Spotify original from ParCast. I'm your host, Carter Roy. And I'm your host, Wendy McKenzie. Every Wednesday, we step into the world of true crime's most fascinating murder cases and tell the tale of how real-life detectives close the case. You can find episodes of Solved Murders and all other Spotify originals from ParCast for free exclusively on Spotify. This is our second episode on the Palmyra Island murders. Last week, the FBI investigated a disappearance in paradise, but couldn't find enough evidence to charge their suspects with murder. This week, new details wash ashore and finally bring the truth to light. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. 
the luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. After discovering an old U.S. Air Force ship sunk off the shore of Palmyra Atoll, Sharon and Robert Jordan tried to go on with their island vacation. They wanted to put the strange vessel out of their minds, but sinister stories about Palmyra nagged at them. Sharon and Robert had heard whisperings about pirates who stopped by the island. Legend had it they'd masquerade as friendly neighbors before looting local ships. The young couple was also well aware that drug runners could hide out across the ocean. It was possible that the boat and missing containers had something to do with pirates or gangs. Or worse, Sharon and Robert also knew the story of Mac and Muff Graham. The wealthy sailing couple had disappeared from Palmyra seven years earlier. Maybe the sunken vessel had something to do with them. But despite their concerns, Sharon and Robert didn't contact authorities. They put their suspicions on the back burner until they made a far more gruesome discovery. On January 25th, Sharon walked along the beach. She scoured the sand for nice shells to add to her collection. Something glinted in the sunlight a few yards ahead. She followed the glimmer, but what she found wasn't a shell. Instead, she saw a human skull. One gold tooth glittered in the afternoon sun. Near the skull, she found an aluminum case open and on its side. It looked just like the ones she'd seen on the U.S. Air Force boat a few weeks earlier. And spilling out of it was a collection of human bones. Sharon's mind went right back to Mac and Muff Graham. Plenty of people speculated that they'd been killed by another couple on Palmyra. Sharon's stomach twisted. She might have just stumbled on the remains of a crime scene. The tide started rolling in. Sharon gathered the skull, the case, and as many bones as she could, then raced back to her sailboat. She and Robert radioed the Coast Guard and told them what they'd found. Coast Guard officers looped in the FBI. 48-year-old Special Agent Calvin Shishido got the call. Memories of 43-year-old Mac and 41-year-old Muff Graham rushed back to him. Seven years earlier, he'd investigated their disappearances and perhaps in his mind failed to deliver justice. Other sailors swore that a younger couple, Buck Walker and his girlfriend, who we'll call Michelle Jones, had murdered Mac and Muff. But Buck and Michelle maintained their innocence. They claimed the Grahams had drowned in a tragic fishing accident. Without any physical evidence to the contrary, Shishido couldn't disprove their story. 
All he could do was charge Buck and Michelle with stealing the Graham sailboat, the Sea Wind. But the bones presented a new opportunity. Maybe the truth had finally washed ashore on Palmyra Island, and Agent Shishido could give the Grahams the justice they deserved. On February 4, 1981, Agent Shishido led a team of FBI agents to Palmyra to examine the new evidence. They analyzed the bones, the aluminum cases, and the sunken boat. Agents discovered a wristwatch still attached to one of the bones. They also found a thin wire wrapped around the aluminum casing, which had presumably been used to hold the container shut. But after that, things wound down. Agents spent days combing the land, but the island didn't seem to hold any more secrets. If Agent Shishido hoped to reopen Mac and Muff's case, he needed more evidence. He sent divers underwater to continue the search. How much longer do they need us out here? (sighs) Until we find something worth bringing back. But we're not finding anything, period. We've searched every inch of the shoreline. Gone over that area where the Jordans found the boat with a fine-tooth comb? It doesn't make any sense. Why would one body wash ashore and not the other? And why is that last case still missing? Clues are still out there, and uh, I think we should keep going. Maybe at least one more pass around the lagoon? Fine. One more pass. But then I'm done. The divers scoured the seafloor, but their efforts were fruitless. After six days with no further evidence... Agent Shishido and his men returned to Honolulu, Hawaii. There, they found themselves at the center of a media frenzy. We're here at Honolulu Airport tonight as local FBI agents return from Palmyra Island in the South Pacific. There's speculation that a number of bones discovered on the beach there belong to either Mac or Muff Graham, who disappeared from the island seven years ago. Agent Shishido, do you have any comment on the bones found in the aluminum case? Are you ready to refute Buck Walker and Michelle Jones's claims of innocence? Tensions run high here as a case presumed settled in 1975 is now called into question. It's unclear if the human remains are connected to this disappearance. Sources say forensic examination is required before the FBI can make a definitive statement. Agent Shishido needed proof before he could jump into a murder investigation. So he sent the aluminum case, the wristwatch, and the partial skeleton to an FBI office. Lab technicians got to work. Right away, they saw that the outside of the metal container was charred, as if someone had tried to burn it. On the inside of the case, they found microscopic fibers, likely the last remaining threads of clothing. They also detected trace amounts of human protein stuck to the inner edges of the container. Buck Walker and Michelle Jones claimed the Grams had drowned, but the evidence pointed to something much more sinister. The fibers and protein suggested that the body had been deliberately hidden inside the container. The charring made it seem likely that someone had tried to burn the evidence. Technicians then turned to the bones themselves. They noted more signs of charring on the skull, with burn marks heaviest around the left eye socket and cheekbone. It appeared that the culprits hadn't just tried to burn the case, they'd attempted to incinerate the bones, too. As if that wasn't enough, analysts soon found the most incriminating evidence yet, a hole in the skull's temple. 
It appeared that the hole had been caused by a bullet, but authorities couldn't be certain. The skull had been underwater for seven years, and parts of it had deteriorated. It was possible, although unlikely, that the hole was a result of erosion. Agents would need a specialist to confirm that it came from a gunshot. In the meantime, a forensic odontologist was brought in to examine the skull's teeth. Though they had a strong hunch, the FBI still wasn't sure if the bones belonged to Mac or Muff Graham. By cross-referencing the skull with available dental records, the odontologist hoped to figure out whose body had washed up on Palmyra's shore. Let the record state that I have examined the permanent dentition present in the skull provided to me by evidence. I've also examined the dental records, both written charts and original x-rays. All dental records for both Mac and Muff Graham have been copied and will be on file. I will now begin the process of cross-checking each dental quadrant with the provided documents. Note that the maxillary quadrants are in excellent condition, preserved very well in the skull. Upon initial visual inspection of the skull, I would estimate the specimen to be female, Caucasian, probably late 40s to early 50s. There are fillings in the molars in quadrant one. Checks out with the provided x-rays assigned to Eleanor Muff Graham. The skull contains a gold-capped premolar in quadrant two, which matches precisely with the records for Muff Graham. A small chip in quadrant three again corresponds to Muff. I believe I have enough evidence to reach a firm conclusion. After intense scrutiny, the forensic odontologist knew that the remains belonged to Muff Graham. That meant that Muff hadn't simply drowned. She, and in all likelihood her husband, had been victims of cruel and violent deaths. And two culprits immediately came to mind. After seven years of waiting, Agent Shishido could finally charge Buck Walker and Michelle Jones with murder. Coming up, the FBI presses charges, but one suspect isn't ready to cooperate. I'm Sarah Turney, host of Disappearances, a Spotify original from Parcast. In 2020, I used social media to help bring justice to my sister Alyssa's nearly two decades long disappearance. Now I'm exploring the many reasons people disappear and finding that the truth may be even harder to locate than the person. Who forced a famed explorer to lose his way? What did a missing Hollywood starlet leave behind? And how could the heiress to a Chicago candy fortune just vanish? Every Thursday on Disappearances, join me for a deeper look into history's most gripping missing persons cases. Tracking timelines, analyzing clues, and piecing together as many answers as possible to find the actual truth. Follow the Spotify original from Parcast Disappearances. Listen free only on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all, but it doesn't have to be. 
With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. Now back to the story. On January 25, 1981, 28-year-old Sharon Jordan found human bones washed up on Palmyra Island. Using dental records, a forensic odontologist determined that the remains belonged to 41-year-old Muff Graham. She and her husband, 43-year-old Mac, had gone missing from Palmyra Island seven years earlier. Buck Walker and Michelle Jones were suspected in the couple's disappearance, but they had maintained their innocence. They claimed the Grahams had drowned. However, when the FBI proved Muff's bones had been burned and hidden inside an aluminum case, that story disintegrated. FBI Special Agent Calvin Shishido was convinced that Buck and Michelle were guilty of murder. He sought an indictment from a federal grand jury. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you are tasked with determining whether there is probable cause to believe that the defendants murdered Eleanor Muff Graham. What is your decision? Your Honor, we the jury find that in September of 1974, Buck Walker and Michelle Jones carried out the murder of Eleanor Muff Graham during an attempt to perpetrate a robbery. There is probable cause to indict the defendants of murder in the first degree and that they should be brought to trial. Understood. Warrants for the arrest of both Mr. Walker and Miss Jones should be issued immediately. The bail for Miss Jones is set at $100,000. Mr. Walker, still serving time for his earlier conviction involving this case, will not be granted bail. Court is adjourned. Federal agents contacted Michelle, then 34 years old, about her indictment and requested she return to Hawaii for trial. The call made her stomach drop. She had long put Palmyra and the Grahams behind her. Michelle and Buck's relationship had ended as soon as they were convicted for stealing the Grahams' yacht. She served her prison sentence in Southern California. She kept her head down, and in less than a year, she was released on parole. She got an administrative job and built a life for herself in California. Things had been looking up but it appeared she couldn't put her past behind her. Michelle knew it was best to cooperate with authorities. On March 5, 1981, she turned herself in to the U.S. Marshals Service in Los Angeles. She promised to fly to Honolulu on April 2nd to enter her plea in court. Federal agents still needed to serve 43-year-old Buck Walker with his newest indictment, He was incarcerated at McNeil Island Federal Penitentiary in Washington State. Agent Shishido reached out to the FBI office in Seattle and learned some shocking news. Buck Walker, I got bad news for you, Agent. About two years ago, he escaped. Hasn't been seen since. 
I couldn't tell you how he did it, though. He must have gotten real crafty. Buck Walker had escaped from McNeil Island Federal Penitentiary in 1979. No one had been able to find him since, and a missing convict wasn't under Agent Shishido's jurisdiction. Instead, a U.S. Marshal named Dick Kringle was assigned to pursue the fugitive. Kringle knew Buck's escape must have been planned meticulously. The penitentiary was located on McNeil Island, a small piece of land in the middle of Puget Sound. It was two miles from the mainland and surrounded by water on all sides. It seemed impossible for an inmate to escape by swimming. In order to get out, Buck would have probably needed an accomplice. Kringle immediately thought of Michelle. He dug through the copies of letters Buck had sent while at McNeil. A year and a half before his release, he mailed Michelle 24 pages of love poems. But Michelle never responded, and she denied talking to Buck while he was in prison. Kringle needed to look elsewhere. Luckily, he didn't have to go far. The prison's visitor log showed Buck had received visits from a local woman, presumably his newest girlfriend. Her last visit to the prison was just one day before Buck's escape. And the day after he vanished, she also disappeared. Kringle tracked Buck's new girlfriend to an address in Lake Tahoe, California. But someone else was already living there. They gave Kringle a forwarding address in Las Vegas, which turned out to be just a P.O. box. Through the Las Vegas Mailing Center, Kringle learned that Bach was having his mail forwarded to yet another address in Yuma, Arizona. In Yuma, Kringle started his search at the local sheriff's station. He was surprised to find a federal narcotics task force, the DEA, using the office for an investigation. A 34-year-old DEA agent named Art Cash looked at a picture of Buck Walker. Oh, yeah. You better believe I know him. Operation he's a part of is the whole reason we're out here. Hey! Agent! Quit typing that report and come here! Tell me if you recognize this mugshot! That's Sean O'Dougal, right? The one running heroin for Terry Connors' crew? Yup. Except, get this, his name's not O'Dougal. It's Buck Walker. Turns out he's wanted on a murder charge. Murder? Well, I wouldn't put it past him. Anyone running with Connor is pretty bad news. We've got a known address for Sean, or Buck, I guess, and his girlfriend right here in Yuma. He drives a brown Oldsmobile. We got the plates. My partner and I can take you to visit your old pal. Kringle and Cash drove past Buck's address multiple times a day, but there was no sign of him or the brown Oldsmobile. Kringle probably worried that Buck had caught wind that authorities were coming after him and made a break for it. That meant the investigator would be back at square one. His boss ordered him to go back home to Seattle and look for new leads. As the investigation into Buck's whereabouts stalled, Michelle crafted her defense. She and her lawyer, Leonard Wineglass, wanted to sway the impending case in her favor. To that end, Wineglass asked a judge to relocate the trial from Hawaii to California. Given the news coverage of the Graham's disappearances, he believed it would be impossible to get an unbiased jury on the island. An earlier lawyer also had Michelle undergo a lie detector test. She claimed she had no involvement in Muff Graham's murder, 
and the polygraph said she was telling the truth. Wineglass petitioned for these results to be used as evidence of her innocence. But the judge ruled against Michelle on both counts. The case would stay in Hawaii, and her favorable lie detector results would not be permitted in court. It was disappointing, but Michelle still hoped she'd catch a break. She probably wanted Buck to stay missing. That way, she wouldn't have to go to trial alongside him. Buck looked and acted like a hardened criminal. Without him beside her, Michelle thought she'd cut a far more innocent figure. But after midnight on August 12, 1981, Michelle suffered yet another blow. HQ, we got eyes on Buckwalker's Oldmobile outside the Torchlight Motel in Yuma. I'm here with my fellow agent. We'll keep eyes out for Walker and move in as soon as possible. You think it'll be as easy as that? We've been waiting long enough. Now's our shot. Look, someone's coming out of that room. It's Terry Connor. And someone's with him. It's Walker, I know it. Both are getting into the Oldsmobile. Walker just pulled a bag from under the seat. Handed it to Connor. Connor just handed him an envelope. That's enough, we got him. Let's go. DEA, hands in the air. Hey man, easy. What'd we even do? Buck Dwayne Walker, you're under arrest. I don't know any Buck Walker. My name's Frank Wolf. Buck was a master of throwing out pseudonyms, but he wasn't fooling officers this time. The DEA found thousands of dollars in cash inside his car, along with barbiturates. Buck faced yet another drug charge, but that was the least of his troubles at the moment. After being on the run for two years, he was finally back in custody on suspicion of murder. He and Michelle would go to trial as co-defendants with their uncertain futures intertwined. Up next, Buck Walker and Michelle Jones finally face the music. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And now, back to our story. In the early hours of August 12th, 1981, DEA agents arrested Buck Walker in Yuma, Arizona. The 43-year-old drug runner had escaped from prison two years earlier, but was now in custody on suspicion of murder. He and his ex-girlfriend, 34-year-old Michelle Jones, were to be tried in Hawaii. The pair, once intimate partners, hadn't seen each other in years. They'd grown apart as Michelle worked to build a better life, and Buck continued down his criminal path. Both Buck and Michelle pleaded not guilty to the murder of 41-year-old Muff Graham, 
His remains had been found on Palmyra Island earlier that year. The judge ruled that they would be tried together and set their court date. Lawyers on both sides got to work. U.S. attorneys Elliot Inoki and Walter Schroeder were assigned to prosecute the case. Buck Walker assembled a pair of public defenders for his team. But Michelle and her family had money, and that meant better representation. Michelle's current attorney was Leonard Weinglass, one of the nation's most famous and progressive criminal defense lawyers. In an effort to round out her team, Michelle's family also hired Vincent Bugliosi. He'd worked on a number of high-profile cases and had a very good reputation. Michelle's team prepared for trial. They eventually negotiated two points that worked in her favor. Your Honor, my client can't be expected to share the stand with Buck Walker. The two haven't been in touch in seven years. He's a fugitive with a criminal record a mile long. She's a young woman who made a bad choice in boyfriends. We can't continue to punish her for a connection to a man she barely knows anymore. So what are you proposing? Separate trials. It's unfair to tie these two together as co-defendants. My client will only receive a fair trial if she can be judged alone. I'm inclined to agree. Let the record show that the court recognizes the autonomy of both Buck Walker and Michelle Jones. They will each face trial separately. Thank you, Your Honor. I believe my partner, Mr. Wineglass, also has a request? I do. Uh, Your Honor, a recent survey carried out by our defense team shows that 91% of registered voters in Hawaii have read about this case in the newspapers. And of those readers, 95.8% already believe Buck Walker and my client, Michelle Jones, to be guilty. Those are some foreboding figures. Yes, they are. Those numbers unequivocally show that my client will be unable to receive a fair trial in Hawaii. It's impossible to build an unbiased jury from a pool of people who've already sentenced Michelle Jones to life in prison in their own heads. Wineglass and Bugliosi kept campaigning on Michelle's behalf. Eventually they convinced a judge to move the trial to another city. San Francisco was agreed on as the new location. With these two wins, the nature of the trials changed. Both prosecutors and defenders needed to reconsider their arguments. Prosecutor Elliot Inoki still intended to nab both Buck and Michelle for murder. He mapped out their motive. In 1974, they were nearly out of food, and had no way to survive on Palmyra Island. Their tiny sailboat wouldn't survive the trip back to Hawaii. They were a thousand miles from civilization, surrounded by shark-infested waters. The only other boat on the island, the only way off of Palmyra, belonged to Mac and Muff Graham. Buck and Michelle were trapped, staring down the barrel of their own mortality. With no witnesses on the island, They had the opportunity to carry out the murder and take off in the sea wind. The motive was clear, so all Inoki needed was airtight proof that Muff had been murdered. One of his first points of contact was San Francisco's chief medical examiner, Dr. Boyd Stevens. Dr. Stevens worked alongside the FBI and Agent Shishido to further examine Muff Graham's remains. The medical examiner knew that if Muff had simply drowned, 
her body would have sunk into the sea floor and become food for animals and insects. But there were no bite marks on Muff's remains. She couldn't have been floating freely in the ocean. Plus, the left side of Muff's skull had been worn flat. According to Dr. Stevens, this meant the bone had probably been resting against the bottom of the aluminum case, rubbing against it with each wave. If she'd been buried in soft sand, the skull would still be rounded. Dr. Stevens also determined that the hole in Muff's skull was consistent with damage caused by a bullet. And the charring found on her bones came from extreme heat, perhaps an acetylene torch. Agent Shishido knew that Buck Walker had that exact kind of torch with him on Palmyra Island. The evidence looked conclusive, but Agent Shishido wanted more. Buck and Michelle claimed they'd found Mac and Muff's dinghy floating upside down in a lagoon at Palmyra, as if they drowned while fishing. But that same dinghy was on the sea wind when Buck and Michelle returned to Hawaii in 1974. Seven years later, FBI agents examined it up close. Interesting. The motor didn't have any trouble starting up. If those two found it upside down, it would have been totally flooded. The salt water would have mucked things up, too. No idea how the Grams would have been able to flip it. That Palmyra lagoon's always calm. You sit over there, I'll sit over here. Let's try to rock it. That's harder than it looks. Maybe we should grab another agent, see if the extra weight helps. There were only two of them in the boat, and the woman was pretty small. I'll tell you this, I don't believe for one minute that the Grams flipped in this boat and drowned. No matter how hard the men tried, they couldn't flip the boat. The idea that Mac and Muff had capsized was absurd. With that, prosecutors were confident they could convict their suspects. Buck Walker's trial began in May 1985. There was a mountain of evidence against him. In addition to everything Agent Shishido and Dr. Stevens had gathered, 52 witnesses lined up to testify. It didn't take long for jurors to decide on Buck's fate. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you have only discussed the case for two hours and 23 minutes. Are you entirely sure you have reached a verdict? Yes, Your Honor. Very well. How does the jury find the defendant? Your Honor, we the jury find Buck Walker guilty on the count of first-degree murder. After decades of thieving, drug dealing, and murder, 47-year-old Buck Walker could no longer run from the law. A judge sentenced him to life in prison. But the prosecution's work wasn't done. They still hoped to convict Michelle Jones. Her trial began in 1986. The prosecution pointed out that Michelle had lied to authorities when she was first interrogated in 1974. But she claimed she only dodged the truth to protect Buck, who was running from drug charges. She swore she never hurt anyone and didn't know Mac and Muff had been killed until it was too late. Michelle's lawyers characterized her as an innocent woman who got mixed up with a bad boyfriend. They claimed Buck committed the murders alone right under her nose. In the end, the jury believed Michelle's story. She was acquitted and walked free. Because Mac and Muff's murders took place in such an isolated location, it's impossible to know exactly what happened. 
However, we can use the information uncovered by the FBI and the testimony given at Buck and Michelle's trials to paint a picture of how the murders on Palmyra Island likely took place. Sometime between August 28th and September 4th, 1974, Buck Walker stewed in his rickety sailboat, which was anchored just off Palmyra's shore. He and Michelle had been sharing the cramped quarters for months, and tensions ran high. They'd eaten nearly all their food and used up their supplies. The seeds they'd planned to use for a garden had been eaten by hermit crabs. They argued constantly, their angry voices cutting through the peaceful atmosphere on the atoll. Conflict also flared up between Buck and the Grams. Mac hated Buck's attempts to gather food by cutting down coconut trees and shooting at fish with his revolver, and Buck envied the Grams' luxurious yacht. Buck knew he and Michelle only had one chance at leaving Palmyra Island. Their run-down boat, the Iola, would never get them home. They needed to catch a ride aboard the Sea Wind, but the Grams would never willingly offer such a favor, and they weren't sure their friends, or anyone else, would reach the island soon enough to help them. It was a life-or-death situation, and the way Buck saw it, there was only one way out. One afternoon, Buck told Michelle he had things to do, and she didn't pry. According to her testimony, she was readying the Iola to sail to another island for more supplies. She stayed aboard their boat as he slinked away. With a revolver tucked into the back of his pants, Buck cut through the jungle towards the World War II military base on the interior of the island. He found a yellow Air Force boat with four large aluminum cases strapped into the flooring. He dragged the containers to the sea wind and slowly crept aboard. Mac and Muff looked up, surprised at the unexpected visit. Before they could speak... Buck shot each of them in the head. Mac and Muff died instantly. Apparently unfazed by the brutality of his actions, Buck set to work hiding his neighbors' bodies. He shoved their remains into the aluminum cases. Then he lit up his acetylene torch and tried to burn them. While the torch burned hot, there was too much moisture for the flame to take hold. So Buck simply sealed the containers with wire and considered his work done. He lugged the cases onto the U.S. Air Force boat and paddled far out into the lagoon. When he felt like he'd gone far enough offshore, he dumped the containers overboard. The Graham's remains rested on the seafloor. With the evidence apparently hidden, Buck sank the Air Force boat. He returned to the Iola. According to Michelle, they searched for the couple for a few days before she finally decided Mac and Muff must have died in a fishing accident. Buck didn't want her to believe otherwise, so he just let her think the Grams drowned. At that point, Buck convinced Michelle to board the Sea Wind and sail away from Palmyra Island. To Buck, it seemed like the perfect crime. He had no idea that the evidence he'd hidden at the bottom of the ocean would wash ashore, finally bringing the truth, or at least part of it, to light. While some semblance of justice had been carried out for Muff, Mac's remains have never been found. 
Buck wouldn't help authorities track down the remaining aluminum container because he wouldn't admit that he killed the Grahams. Even after his conviction, he maintained his innocence. After serving just 22 years of his life sentence, 69-year-old Buck was paroled in 2007. Upon his release, he wrote an 895-page book arguing that he didn't murder Mac and Muff. It was a last-ditch attempt to repair his legacy, and it didn't work. Very few people, if any, believed him. Buck died in 2010 at the age of 72, a few months after suffering a stroke. He took his secrets to the grave, never telling anyone where to find Mac's body. Without physical evidence, authorities can only presume Mac Graham was murdered alongside his wife. In all likelihood, his remains are trapped in the aluminum case that Buck Walker transformed into his coffin, stuck underwater near Palmyra Island. Thanks again for tuning in to Solved Murders. We'll be back next Wednesday with a new episode. For more information on the Palmyra Island murders, amongst the many sources we used, we found In the Sea Will Tell by Vincent Bugliosi with Brucey e. Henderson, extremely helpful to our research. You can find all episodes of Solved Murders and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time. If we live till next time. Solve Murders True Crime Mysteries is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler. Sound designed by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Solve Murders is written by Kayla Westergaard-Dobson, with writing assistance by Sarah Batchelor, Karis Allen, and Giles Hofseth. Fact-checking by Claire Cronin, and research by Mickey Taylor. The amazing cast of voice actors includes Brian Kim McCormick, Drew Lawn, Ellie Schiff, Laith Walshlager, and Jen Wong. Solve Murder stars Wendy McKenzie and Carter Roy. 